Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Just turn to the person next to you and point at them, point them right in the face and say, you are who God says you are. In our culture, we're not always very good at at doing these kind of things, um, which is why we're so bad at believing that we are who God says we are. Um, So sometimes we have to push past those barriers to really believe what it is that God says. And this morning, we're going to have a look at um, the Bible and how we understand the Bible, because it's all very well saying, well, this is in the Bible and that's in the Bible and what have you. But um, when when I was little and went to church, I didn't grow up in a Christian family, so there wasn't a kind of biblical tradition in my family, but I, I somehow got involved with church early on and, um, and just kept going. And they, uh, they kept saying, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. And I looked at the Bible, you know, that's a big book. And, and they were even bigger then because in those days it was the person who had the biggest Bible that was the holiest. Big black Bible equaled more holy. So you know, people used to bring them in on wheels. They would have servants bring them in. And, uh, you know, the one up at the front was big and heavy. And when you opened it, the building shook. And it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was just turning the page. And um, so I thought we'd, uh, we'd spend a bit of time looking at this. And um, Becky's been teasing me about time. Um, I'm really going to, uh, I'm going to be short, if possible, okay? Um, because we've got all the kids here and they don't want to sit there while I'm droning on. So uh, let's see if this works. Um, falling in love with the Word of God. Um, I thought I wanted a better title than just uh, how to read the Bible, because that's a bit boring, you know. Um, but you see, this book is not just a book. Uh, you've probably, uh, some of you at least, got the, the idea of that. And um, so I wanted to look at it in a slightly different way. Um, so we're going to have three sections. Uh, what, what is the Word of God? What can aid me practically? So you ha- how can I do this? What can, what can be a help to me? Uh, and then I want to, to look at Psalm 119, see why it's so helpful and why it's so long. Have you tried reading Psalm 119? I can see you haven't. You've just skipped past it, haven't you? You've gone, oh, Psalm 117, I like that one because it's two verses. You know, and I, can, I can feel virtuous because I read a whole psalm. And, um, and then Psalm 118, that's a, that's a bit longer. Psalm 119, whoa, forget it. Let's just turn over 16 pages and get to Psalm 120. Um, so, uh, oh, I'm going to take my watch off because then that looks as though I care about the time. Uh, okay, you can start me now because I've done the introduction. So the introduction never counts. This is uh, John chapter 1. In the beginning, the word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought life to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. John, in the very opening of his gospel, is talking about Jesus. But he describes Jesus as the Word. Um, 
Some people uh, prefer the, um, the, the kind of idea that he used a, he used a word which we translate as, as logic, and so it's sometimes, you know, the logos. But that's a bit obscure culturally for us. It doesn't, doesn't work. Um, other translations call it the living expression. But in essence, what he's saying is that the part of the Godhead that we know as Jesus was a flowing, living expression of everything that, that God is. If you read in Genesis, you know, God spoke the word. It was, it was something that came from God. It wasn't just language. See, we, we think of words just as, as words. We think of them just as, as language, just a way of communicating. It's so much more than that. We have learned to devalue what we say, which is incidentally why we're so good at speaking negative things and rubbish. And what Becky was saying this morning and what the song was, was talking about was, um, uh, we are who God says we are. We're not all the other things that can be said about us, all that we can think about ourselves, all that can come from, from other directions. So, um, back to the word. The word was with God. I, uh, my contention is that when we encounter the word, we're encountering the word. When we read this book, what we are taking from it is Jesus. We're encountering Jesus. So every time I read this, really, I'm invited into an encounter with Jesus. I'm not just reading it for factual information. That's the strange thing about Bible studies. You know, we all go to a Bible study, or some of us go to a Bible study. It's like saying, oh, I'm going to a Jesus study. I'm going to study Jesus, and there's Jesus. And say, oh, isn't he tall? Oh, he's a bit, um, he's, he hasn't got a beard. I thought he'd have a beard. And his hair's a different color. And, oh, I didn't think he'd look like that. That's not a, an encounter. That's just looking at somebody and kind of, drawing a sort of a critique of them. And there's, there's nothing inappropriate about understanding the content of, of this book. And I'll, I'll come on to that later on. But we must understand that when we read this, it's, there's a transaction that's going on. It's living because you're in a living relationship with the one who, who is breathing this word into our lives. A little later on in the chapter, John says, the word, the one that was there at the beginning, through whom everything was made, the word became flesh and made his home among us. Um, That's not changed. Except that Jesus, who he was referring to, we know he ascended back to heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit. So the, the life of God is still with us. And so when we talk about the word of God, we're not just talking about a book or a history or an expression of worship. Yes, it's all of those things, but it is an opportunity to encounter Jesus, to interact with him through every part of it, even Leviticus. How many, let's be honest, how many have never heard of Leviticus? God, I know, there are people that have never heard of Leviticus. Okay, how many have never read it? Yeah, that's all right, that's all right. How many have read it and thought, I'm never reading that again? You know, and it's, I admit, it's a slightly obscure book, and you do need some keys to try and understand it. But it is, once you've got those keys and you read it, you just think, oh my goodness, this is amazing. So, we're going to have a, uh, a look at that. Right, let's move on. Uh, not Leviticus, but uh, 
What can help me practically? Oh, what is the word of God? Just done that one. Did you notice? Um, what can help me practically? Oh, those didn't come out very well. Those. So, uh, I want to um, uh, just point you towards some resources. There are loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of resources. And particularly now with um, stuff that's available online and so on. It's just incredible compared to even, uh, well, certainly a generation ago, and just none of this stuff existed. Um, uh, I will say, and I'll reinforce this later on, there's a lot of stuff out there which is just not very good um, and not very helpful. I've tried to, to pick on three things, uh, all online, that I think are helpful. The first is a website called uh, Bible Gateway. Um, some of you will know it, some of you won't. I'm going to look a bit more at that in a minute, um, in detail, so I'll come back to that. Um, there's also a thing called BibleHub.com. Both of them um, provide online translations of, of Scripture. They provide some notes. They provide some uh, a little bit of commentary. And then they have lots of other um, helpful things that, uh, that they're linked to that, that you can get stuff from. Both of those are pretty reliable. They're not trying to take any particular theological position. They're not trying to um, direct you in any one direction except Jesus. So um, I like those. My favorite is Bible Gateway, and that's why I'm going to go into that a bit more. Uh, Bible Hub, it's, um, I, have, I have used it, and uh, I found it good. Uh, and then there's another thing on YouTube, and it's a, a series called Read Scripture. And I only came across this recently. Um, Simeon put me onto it. And um, uh, I didn't dare put one on here because we always have trouble when we, we try to load massive files onto these things and they never work and the whole system crashes. So I thought I won't even bother. But um, you must have seen those YouTube clips where um, the graphic appears as though somebody's drawing it really quickly and it goes tick, 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 and it's that kind of thing. And they're all about 10 minutes long and they are, um, they're, they're kind of overviews of the various books of the Bible. So if you're about to launch into a book of the Bible that you don't know and have never read before, then um, they're really useful because it gives a, a, an overview, it gives you a sense of the structure, um, it gives you some kind of insight into what scholars think about it without trying to be too detailed. Um, I had a look at the Genesis one yesterday because that's always a good way to, to tell exactly what people are trying to, uh, to say through Genesis and Revelation. And if people start telling you all sorts of um, unusual, let's say, things through Genesis and Revelation, um, then that's usually the one that I will try and avoid. Uh, but I looked at Genesis and I thought it was pretty balanced, actually. And uh, it, didn't, it didn't try to say anything about how long things did or didn't take. It just said they happened. And I thought, well, that's fair enough because that's what it says. So uh, you can have a look at that as well. And I, I think that's a good resource, because um, for, for one thing, um, you can look at stuff and get a 10-minute overview of something without having to wade through it all and read it. I mean, to be honest, you know, if there'd been a 10-minute overview of Leviticus available several years ago, I'd have looked at that rather than wade through it. Um, the same with some of the longer prophets, you know, Ezekiel. I mean, some of Ezekiel's stuff, it's like strange... You know, um, but if you if you've got some kind of framework through which to view it, that's helpful. So I, I think that's a good resource as well. Um, so there are many others, but there is there is quite a lot of strangeness. So just uh, beware. Uh, right, this is um, a page from Bible Gateway, and um, uh, I think I've got a little pointer thing here. I have uh, all I've got to do is get it 
aimed at... Oh, there it is. Um, so, as you can see, you've got... Uh, uh, basically, you get um, uh, a translation of the, the, the Bible there, and uh, there are arrows to sort of turn the pages. Um, I have to say, I probably do my own devotional reading as much from this these days as I do from anything else. Um, uh, I felt a little bit guilty not using a paper Bible for quite a while. But then I just got over it because I was enjoying using this so much. And to, to be honest, I was just encountering Jesus. So I thought, well, it can't be a bad thing, can it? So um, you've got that there. They've got a few. They have some adverts and so on. The adverts aren't dodgy. Tasting some of the clothes is a bit questionable. But other than that... Um, and then there are, there are other things here that you can get into. Uh, these things here, you have to pay for some of them. Um, Bible Gateway itself is completely free. It's got a very um, friendly version for phones and tablets as well as laptops. Um, and it's actually uh, quite a well put together thing. The only thing you've got to watch is, of course, it's American so they can't spell. But other than that, um, they're not too bad. Uh, one of the really uh, interesting things about it is that you can put different versions alongside one another. So if you want to read what, uh, in this case, the Amplified Bible says about a passage that you're reading in the New Living Translation, uh, so you've got the, uh, the translation up here, um, you can just click on it and you can get uh, two, three, four or more um, if you really want to, to do that. So that's quite an interesting way of, of reading stuff and comparing different versions. They also, uh, or I may have to go back for this. Uh, yeah, they also have up here, where is it? Uh, there. Um, it's, uh, it's in audio as well, some of the, um, the translations. So if you don't like reading or you just want, want to have um, it read in the background whilst, whilst you're, I don't know, shampooing the goldfish or something, then, um, then you can have that on. And again, I just think that's, that's really helpful. Um, not all the, uh, the versions have that, but um, a number of them do. There are 59 English translations available. 59 from the authorized version um, a wonderful thing called Young's Literal Translation, which is a literal translation of um, the earliest manuscripts that are available uh, to uh, some of the, the most uh, up-to-date ones, including things like the Passion Translation and so on. Um, they also have Polish. Um, so I just put that up there in case Joanna wanted to, uh, to read something in Polish in the middle of the... Is that, that should be Polish, Joanna. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, uh, that apparently is John 1 in, in Polish. But it, it just has a, a whole range of uh, different versions available. So if you're learning a language um, and uh, want to read the scriptures in that language, that's available as well. Okay, so those are some of the, uh, the resources that are available. Um, they really help me. Um, they have all the footnotes in there. They have some other stuff. And because you're actually sitting at your, uh, with your device, um, if you get an idea that takes you off somewhere, you can pursue that straight away as long as you don't get too distracted. One of the problems is that you, you do that and then something comes in on Facebook or, or you, you come across an interesting story in the BBC and suddenly you're, you're lost. So you do have to be disciplined about it. 
But, um, uh, you know, you can be reading something, particularly if you don't know the kind of historical context or something like that, or you're trying to work out where something fits in with time. Like, I'm reading about this king here. Where did this king fit in with some other king that I read about? And then you can just flip across to some timeline and look at them and go, oh, yeah, and suddenly that makes a lot more sense of what you're reading because you understand the context into which somebody's uh, speaking. Right. Uh, Psalm 119. I have fallen in love with Psalm 119. Uh, I decided one day, you know, it wasn't that long ago, and it was a while since I'd read Psalm 119. I thought, why do I keep avoiding this so much? I'm just going to read it. And uh, I haven't been able to stop reading it since. I've been through it, I don't know how many times over the past couple of months. And um, what struck me about it is how much it's got to say about this very practical subject. Uh, And so when I was thinking about doing this talk, I thought, I'm going to try and do it from Psalm 119. Because not only is that a little bit different, I think it might help people to see some of the connection between the practicalities of what on earth am I going to do in trying to understand your word, Lord, and the, the beauty and the majesty of this book that is presented to us. Um, so I'm going to uh, uh, go through this. I'll move over here because I don't need the, the Bible. Psalm 119. It is a literary and mathematical masterpiece. Let me try and explain to you. There are 176 verses. That's a lot of verses. Um, there are 22 stanzas or verses or, or you know, sections of verses of, um, of eight verses each. Um, and each line talks specifically about the word of God. There's a pattern that repeats over and over again. In each stanza, it uses eight different words, eight synonyms to explain the word of God. Um, oh, I didn't put them up there, but words like commands, law, uh, um, uh, precepts, uh, advice, wisdom. Basically, they, they're all synonyms of the same word. And it's saying over and over and over again, your word is this. Your word does this. This is the outcome of your word in my life, in my community, in my nation, etc., etc. Um, and it's an acrostic uh, poem. It means that in each stanza, each line begins with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, so it's like having a, uh, an English version where the first line, everything began with A. Uh, the, or the first letter of each line, sorry. The first letter of each line in the first eight verses all began with A. And then in the next eight verses, they began with B. And in the next eight verses, they began with C right through to, to Z. Well, this does it for the Hebrew alphabet. And it looks like this. See, there's Aleph, first letter, and there's Bet. Can you see something there? Alphabet. Alphabet. See, you didn't know that. You didn't know we got our word alphabet from the Hebrew language, did you? Come on, be honest, you didn't know. Neither did I until I put this together. So, uh, um, they're, they're the first two. So, have a look at Aleph, see what it looks like. Have a look at Bet, see what that looks like. Um, that's the first stanza, the first eight verses in Hebrew. Um, if you're having trouble reading it, it's probably because you need to read it um, from your right to the left. 
That's why it's margin to the right. I'm sorry I didn't get the one in. Um, it was due to technical problems, uh, me, basically. So, but look, the first letter of each of those is Aleph. It's the first letter. It's like having the A at the beginning of each one. Then we move on uh, to... So it goes 6, 7, 8, Aleph, 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 and then 9, 10, 11, and so on. It's Bet. Bet, Bet, Bet. Not Bet Fred, but Bet, Bet, Bet. And so it goes on. And if you look at, on Bible Gateway, a Hebrew version, you can see this construction. Now, here's a point I want to make. Um, People get very hot under the collar about translations. There is no translation in any other language other than Hebrew that can express the beauty of this psalm. It's impossible. You couldn't do it in English. I mean, can you imagine trying to come up with eight different lines all beginning with X? Hello? It's not going to work. Now, no matter how accurate linguistically our translations are, it couldn't communicate what the writer of this, and it may have been David, may not have been, um, this kind of acrostic device. It's not easy to put together. And David did a, f- a few of them, and they, they seem to think it was him that, that wrote this. But it's, it's an astounding piece of, of literature in any case. And so when we're trying to understand uh, the Bible, whether it's in very modern English or, or more formal English or how, however it is, we have to appreciate that it's still a, an interpretation in some ways. Any version of Psalm 119 that I've looked at, it doesn't carry this. It doesn't carry this weight, this beauty. Okay, there are seven things I picked out. Seven helps I found. There are a lot more than seven, but seven was a nice number, and it's probably as many as I can get away with in the time I've got. Um, verse 5. Uh, All these um, uh, quotations, by the way, are from the the Passion Translation, not because it's any better, but just because I happen to think it works very well with what I'm trying to communicate. So, verse 5. How I long for my life to bring you glory as I follow each and every one of your holy precepts. When you're trying to understand the Bible, check your motivation. Work out why you're trying to understand it. If you're trying to understand it because you think your cleverness will elevate you within a particular hierarchy, that's not going to be a successful motivation. You're not going to be able to draw the most from it. This, this is an intimate act to read Scripture, even though it's, it's also corporate. It's not necessarily just individual. So check your motivation. If you're just doing it because you think, oh, it's a good thing to do and I'll be a bad Christian if I don't, please don't. Just have a cup of tea instead. Or better still, have a cup of tea and then read it. Um, check your motivation. Number two. Uh, by the way, if you, if you want all this, this stuff, I can make this PowerPoint available via the office. And if, if there's stuff here that you thought, oh, I didn't quite catch that, uh, I'm sure um, Alison will send it to you if you got in touch. Uh, number two, verse 11. I consider your prophecies to be my greatest treasure. I memorize them and write them on my heart to keep me from committing sin's treason against you. Some versions, some of you will know it better as, I have hidden your word in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. Um, They both carry the same thing. We take this word into ourselves and we inscribe it in our lives. Uh, Again, uh, people make a lot of um, memorizing the Bible. I think that's an excellent thing to do. But we memorize it not just so that it's in our heads, but so that it's in our hearts. And I was reviewing Uh, I was reviewing my life a bit as I did this, and I was reviewing times at which I had had significant decisions to make, or I'd been in significantly difficult circumstances, or something like that, and how from my storehouse of the Word of God, stuff had just come to mind. Um, Not because I've been fantastic at uh, memorizing Scripture over the years, because to be honest, I haven't. But there's a lot kind of stuffed away in there over the years. And there will be for you as well, for many of you. And those things just come back to mind. You know, sometimes we ask ourselves questions that we go, what am I going to do here? And a thought comes into our head, and it may not be word for word something you learned out of the Bible, but it, it carries the same meaning, and you go, oh gosh, I hadn't thought of it that way. And I think that's the Holy Spirit just saying, here, here's something that you stored away. I'm going to go and fetch it for you and show you now that it's really useful. Um, All the major decisions I've taken in my life uh, were aided by stuff I was studying out of Scripture. Um, I mean, like, major decisions like, am I going to ask Anne to marry me? You know, I mean, in some ways it was a bit of a no-brainer. But uh, at the same time... You just want to get that right, don't you? Um, you know, lots and lots of other things. Are we, are we going to move to this place? Uh, am I going to take this, this job or this opportunity? And it's a lot of those things you think, oh, what am I going to do? And something pops back into your mind because you looked at it um, maybe as a child. Oh, let me just say here, um, children's Bible songs are brilliant. Um, I'm so wonderful having Annie around. It's just getting to the stage where you can do that because... Uh, we just, I mean, we almost had death by children's Bible songs when we were, uh, when we had uh, Becky and, and Lizzie as small children because we just played them over and over and over and over again. But um, they still remember them now. They can, if they get together, they will sing a whole song through and I'll go, oh yeah, I remember bits of it. But they, because it, it's ingrained, it's stored away. Uh, so if you get the opportunity to do that with any children in your life at all, uh, do it because it's lots of fun. Uh, number three, open my eyes to see the miracle wonders hidden in your word. Um, let's think about this phrase, open, open our eyes to see the miracle wonders hidden in your word. Firstly, we're asking God to do something that we can do, except we can't. Because I can open my own eyes, but I can't open the eyes of my heart. I need him to do that. So I have to ask him to do that. But he wants to do that. So it's, it's not a difficult thing uh, for him to do. But then, to see the miracle wonders hidden in your word, it's not just to see the word. It's to see beyond the words. It's to see something that can't be seen. Open my eyes, God, to see something that is there, but I can't see it. And the miracle wonders hidden in your word, it's like... It's like when you stare deeply into something and you really start to see what's there. And with the Word of God, we need to stare deeply into it. That's why um, 
We have to have some times when we're really staring deeply into the Word. We can't always do that. Time doesn't always allow for that. And sometimes it's fine to read just chunks and chunks and chunks and chunks and to get an overview. But we do need to to understand the context of it, particularly with some of the... uh, or with anything that's kind of historically related. That's why a lot of the, the Old Testament seems very obscure. Because you just don't understand the context. We try to do that in, in looking at this um, period of rebuilding the temple. We try to help describe the context as well. So that you can see that it takes place in a real situation. Real people with real concerns in a real situation just like us. Give me revelation about the meaning of your ways so I can enjoy the reward of following them fully. Isn't that interesting? Give me revelation so I can enjoy the reward of following them fully. We don't talk about reward enough, God's reward. Um, and I'm not going to uh, get into it now. But um, there is a reward that God wants to, to give into our lives. Uh, but understand the author. And I don't just mean the author, God. I mean the person that wrote it. Um, who were they? Again, what was their context? Talked a bit about that last week with, with Zechariah. Um, try to get inside this person. You can't... I, you can see words fail me. You, you, you can't just treat the person writing it as some kind of automaton, as though, as though they were s- somehow possessed by, by something and they wrote automatically without thinking about it. They're, they've had an encounter. They're having an encounter with God. They're, they're pouring it out into uh, a written form. Never mind the business of how we get it from there to here, Try and understand what was going on for this person. You know, let's take a well-known uh, passage. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. David writes that as a shepherd, doesn't he? I mean, he's a, he's a shepherd. He's, he's looking after sheep. He knows about looking after sheep. And he's saying, the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. When we understand it. If that was written by... Uh, a butcher who never looked after sheep, we might think it had a different meaning. If it was written by a chef, uh, it, it might have a different meaning to us. And I'm not saying David didn't kill sheep and butcher them. Sorry, vegetarians. Um, but I think he did. And, and I'm not saying he didn't cook them. But it was written by somebody who was intimately involved with what he was talking about. So understand the author. Uh, okay, I long for the revelation of your truth, for I love the light of your word as I meditate on your decrees. I've touched on this a little bit about really staring deeply into something, but I, I cannot overemphasize um, how important it is to meditate, to consider, to savor. We had a, some of you will remember this as well as I do for the same reasons. Um, we had a guy in the church, uh, lovely friend of mine called uh, Jonathan Wright. Who remembers Jonathan Wright? Oh, loads of you. Good, you've been around here far too long. 
just like me. Jonathan Wright was just a lovely, lovely guy. But he once did an illustration of how to read the Bible. And, and he, he got chocolate for everybody in the congregation. And we were a bigger congregation at the, the time. I think we were about 200 of us. And he, had, he broke this chocolate up and he said, right, take this piece of chocolate, but don't eat it. He wasn't trying to do anything that related to communion or anything like that. He just wanted to teach us how to eat chocolate. And uh, we were all quite excited about that. You can see why it stuck in my mind after all that, that time. And uh, so we took the chocolate, you see, and then he said, now just place it on your tongue like this and hold it there. And he, he was wonderful. He did this whole thing about um, enjoying the flavor. And, and then he said, that's, that's what it's like to meditate on Scripture. That's what it's like to taste. That's what it's like to savor something. Don't push past interesting things. When you're reading Bible and something sort of suddenly goes, oh, that's really interesting, don't push past that and just think, oh, no, I've got to get to the end of the chapter because that's my, my rota for, or my quota for the day. Don't do that. Catch hold of the thing that just catches your attention um, because it's probably the Holy Spirit saying, hey, Graham, look at this. Think about this. I'd like to show you something here. So, savour. Uh, what you're, you're reading. Um, Before the day dawns, I'll be crying out for help and wrapping your words into my life. Um, feed frequently. Uh, one of the, the songs I remember from my childhood was uh, uh, Read Your Bible, Pray Every Day, If You Want to Grow. If you want to grow, if you want to grow. I'm not going to try and sing it, but um, it was a big thing on reading the Bible every day. It's a great thing to do. I don't manage it every day. I don't. I'll be honest. You know? uh, but most days, I will. Most days, I'll manage it. Uh, and some days more than once. Um, this is before the day dawns. So, I, again, I don't want to be legalistic about this. I just think it's useful to do it before your head gets crowded with loads of other things. Because I know what life's like. You know, and we can, we can say, yeah, I'll do it later. And, of course, we never do it later. Because life takes over. So um, there is a kind of discipline that's, that's useful. However you structure your morning, whatever your morning routine is with children or work or, or, or whatever goes on. Um, just, just try and find a time to do it. To wrap the words into your life. See this idea of taking them in again. Um, I put this verse in as well. I stop to praise you seven times a day. All because your ways are perfect. Uh, very monastic. You know some of the monastic orders that have uh, seven um, uh, services during the day? What do they... There's a word for it. I can't remember at the moment. Um, I stop to praise you seven times a day, all because your ways are perfect. Um, I think it's quite helpful for us to put things into our lives that cause us to stop. Um, at the top of uh, my stairs... I have a large uh, framed satellite map of Europe because um, I'm involved in Europe quite a bit and I pray for Europe. And um, I don't do it every time I go upstairs, but quite often when I go upstairs, I'll just stop on the stairs, you know, like, like uh, Robin from the Muppets, halfway up the stairs. And, uh, and I, I just look at that and I, I either thank God or I'll pray for something that's going on in my, uh, my kind of... Um, responsibilities and so on. Um, you might have, have other things. Maybe you've got something on uh, um, the bathroom mirror. So people talk about that. They stick a post-it note on the bathroom mirror to remind yourself of something. 
Um, we're trying to get hold of a truth. Write it out on loads of post-it notes and stick them all over the place and drive yourself crazy with it. Um, put it inside the thing that you take your tea bags out of. Um, put it inside the thing where you hide your chocolate biscuits from the rest of the family. And, uh, and remind yourself. So feed frequently. And lastly... Place your hands of strength and favor upon me, for I've made my choice to follow your ways. Place your hands of strength and favor upon me, for I've made my choice to follow your ways. I want the hands of God's strength and favor on me. I realize more and more how much I need that. You want that as well. Everybody wants the hand of God on their lives. For I've made my choice to follow your ways. We make a choice every time we come across something new and we say, oh, do you know, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to accept that or no, I'm, I, you know, I challenge that or I'm not too sure about that. But when we take something into our lives and we make a choice about it, then we're saying, I'm following your ways more closely. I want your hands of favor upon me. If we're not seeking for God's favor, then we can't carry God's favor to other people. If we don't seek God's favor, we can't carry God's favor to other people. So there's nothing selfish or arrogant about seeking God's favor. Yes, you benefit from it, but so does everybody else around you. Um, musicians, can you come back up, please? Thank you. Just before the the, the words of the, the song come up, look at look at this again. Place your hands of strength and favour upon me. For I've made my choice to follow your ways. Um, I wonder what choices are before you this morning about following God's ways. Um, How has God spoken to you this morning? Through the worship, through communion together, perhaps through something that I've said. Um, As we respond here uh, in song, I just want you to respond to to God like that. If you'd like somebody to pray for you, please come come forward and... uh, Uh, When Becky takes over in a minute, she will be happy to arrange that. Let me also say this. Um, I felt there was something really significant on uh, what we were looking at earlier on. I am who God says I am. And I felt that there were were people present who'd had a lot of people say things about them that weren't true. Um, Who just dumped a lot of garbage and rubbish into your life. Uh, Jesus says, this is who you are. You are loved. You are a particular creation of mine. You are the person that I died for. If you've asked for forgiveness, the forgiveness you've received is complete. You're not a failure. You're not useless. You are gifted. You are valuable. You are loved. Those are the things 
that we need to agree with. And if uh, you would like somebody to pray with you about any of those things, um, please come up at the end and, uh, again, we'll organise that. All right, thank you.